Go ahead and open your Bibles up to John chapter 14. Today we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 17. Last week, Jesus, and he's still reminding them that even though he's leaving, he's still going to be with them. Last week, he talked about the confirmation of the truth that he's in the Father, that they're going to know that he's in the Father because that's the foundation of him working inside of them. And that will remind them and reassure them and also that he is going to be answering their prayers so that they are connected. He kind of continues along with this topic, uh, goes into more depth of how this is going to be made possible. And it's a, it's a really really kind of favorite topic of mine, especially given where we find ourselves in our understanding of the Holy Spirit in a lot of churches today. I think the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is one of the most misunderstood person of the Trinity today. So we get to kind of see an overall of the Holy Spirit, of who He is and His ministry and and also see how important his work is in our life for discipleship. And the title of today's sermon is called The Heart of Discipleship. So we are going to look at this passage. You can open up your Bibles to John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. How many people here like word association games? You ever play word? Yeah, I love, I love games. We play a lot of games with our family at home. Uh, Scategories is a favorite game that we like to play. They they like to play games that I don't win at, so I don't get to choose a lot of those games. But we like word games. You know, if you ever play a word game, you know where you're given a word and you got to think of the first word that comes to your mind, right? Word association, whatever whatever word you're thinking of, or 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 maybe it's the the opposite, like the game taboo where. You're given a list of words that you can't say, right? And you get buzzed if you say those words because those words are too close and you'll be able to guess the word that they're thinking of in an instant. Or maybe you're given a uh, list of words and you've got to think of the word that these words are associated with or referring to. So we're going to do a little game. You didn't know you're in Game Show Sunday. We're going to do a little game. We're going to start with these words. Don't call it out loud. I just want you to think it in your head. And I want to see if we think of the same word when we, when, we think of, when we look at these words, right? So we have cross, sacrifice, Jesus, and eternity, all right? Think about it. How many people thought of the word salvation? All right, a few. Salvation, I'd like to hear the other words. Maybe after church, you can let me know what you're thinking about. Salvation was correct for this game purpose, right? I'm the game show host, so let's, let's try it again. This one's easy. This one's easy. You should get this. How about ark? Animals, judgment, and flood, all right? How many people thought of Noah? Yeah, there we go. All right, one more time. Let's see if we, see if we get three for three here. One more time. Last one. You guys are pretty good at this. We should do this more often. There will be prizes afterwards, door prizes. How about evil, <clears throat> abomination, depraved, and Satan? All right, how many people thought of the word sin? Real close, real close. These two are synonymous. It's beef stew, actually. <laughs> you were. <laughs> How'd you miss that? I, I mean, it's identical. 
All right. <laughs> so we, ha- we have these words there in mind. Obviously, we're not on the same, we're not thinking on the same wavelength with this. But we have words and we associate other words with them. Now, if I, we were to reverse this and I were to do the word discipleship, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of words would come to your mind, right? And, and rightfully so. So probably if you're like everyone else, you might be thinking of words like obedience, uh, definitely comes into play with discipleship, right? Uh, obedience to Christ, we're going to talk about that today. Uh, faith should definitely come into play. Trials, right? Not of us have been experiencing a lot of trials, which is part of our discipleship, service, learning. I wonder if anyone, when we look at this word, and don't tell me if you did because then it would ruin the point, but if you thought of this word, intimacy, I wonder how many people thought of that word. I used to not think about this word with regards to discipleship, but especially after this passage, uh, I've changed. And we have to ask ourselves why. If we didn't associate intimacy or fellowship or relationship with discipleship, why not? Jesus is continuing to prepare his disciples for his departure, how they are going to uh, be successful disciples while he is gone. And in this passage, I'm going to argue that intimacy plays a, a, a good role, a big role in it. When we see the word intimacy, we think of the words love, we think of mutual we think of communication, we think of sharing, we think of familiarity, comfort, union, bond, and we think of the word friendship. We think of the word friendship, intimacy, and discipleship. We're going to look at two aspects of that intimacy that come forth in our passage today. The first aspect is how we express this intimacy what this intimacy does in, as we are following Jesus Christ as his disciples, we express this intimacy outwardly, verse 15. So Jesus continuing to talk, and he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, it's funny because we're not, we weren't present at the discourse, and you would think He just was talking about prayer, right? And he's talking about prayer and asking things in his name, asking him in his name for the glory of God and talking to him. And all of a sudden, where does this come from? Did did they take, did Jesus say, all right, we're going to take a 10-minute break, we're going to come back into the room, and we're going to talk about another topic? Well, no, he doesn't. So we see that this prayer and this fellowship with, with Christ, this intimacy with Christ somehow is connected to love and to obedience. And we're going to see that that's exactly what he's talking about. Our fellowship with him, our intimacy with him through reading of the word, through prayer impacts the way that we live as disciples. Guy tells a story, and he says this. When I was dating my wife, Anna, 
One thing I admired about her was her love for sports. He said, I love sports too, but there were two sports that he didn't like. Two sports. And he says, forgive me if you like these. He says, the first one is bowling. He says, I don't understand it. You pick up this cannonball and you throw it down a nice maple floor and you get rid of it and that's good that it's gone, but all of a sudden, pump, it comes right back up. And the whole time you're just trying to get rid of this ball and it keeps coming back up. And then when you leave, they make you pay for doing that over and over and over again and for the ugly shoes that you have to wear. He goes, it's stupid. It makes no sense. He said, he said actually, it's the dumbest thing you ever heard. So I don't, I don't know if you guys are bowlers, but sorry if you are. He said, the other is roller skating. Four wheels, none of them turn. They expect you to go in circles. And he said, this is a true story. On our first date, I knocked on Anna's door so excited. He goes, what do you want to do tonight? What do you think she said? She had a bowling ball and a bag, probably her own shoes too. You want to go bowling? You want to go bowling? You know what he said? I absolutely love bowling. (laughs) You better believe we're going to go bowling. I'm so glad. Yes. So we went bowling. He said we had a great time. Next week, knocked on the door. Guess what? Boing, roller skates. He says, she goes, do you like skating? He says, I've been waiting for months for someone to ask me to go skating. <laughs> he goes, we went skating and we had a great time. He goes, I look back on it and he goes, why, why was it easy for me to change? He said, did I have to work up these feelings to change? Did I have to work up this thing to change? to change my desire for bowling and skating? No. It was because of my relationship with that girl. It was because of the love that I had in the relationship with her, change was easy. Change is predicated upon relationship. Intimacy with Christ, fellowship with Christ, is the basis for our obedience. We have to hear what Jesus is not saying and what he is saying here. What does he mean? If you love me, you will obey me. Is he after the obedience or is he after our hearts? He's after our hearts. And what he says is, if you love me, If you're loving me, if you're intimate with me, if you're in a relationship with me, obedience is going to come naturally. And if we are missing this in discipleship, we we have to really, really check our hearts. If we are predicating our relationship solely upon obedience to Jesus' commands, That's not a relationship. It's not. That's almost like legalism. And if we think that we're earning his love through our obedience, we're wrong. Jesus wants our heart. Yes, it's conditional. But he's after our love and the obedience, he's unsure if that's going to happen. But he doesn't want that primarily. He wants your heart. He wants all of you. 
Because when we love him, when we're in that relationship with him, what do we not want to do? We don't want to hinder it, do we? We don't want to sin against him. Obedience flows from love, and love grows with intimacy and our closeness with him, doesn't it? This guy would have joined a bowling league, wouldn't he? That guy would have got his own t-shirt, his own shirt, right, with a name on it, bought his own shoes. Why? Because he began to understand that he loved those things that she loved because he loved her. We say it all the time in Christianity, but this really, really hits at it. Discipleship is not following a bunch of rules and regulations that God has set over our lives to make us miserable. Discipleship is falling in love with Jesus Christ, accepting his sacrifice for our life, and out of that love saying, man, I get to obey you. I want to obey you. Why? Because I love you. Because you're all that matters to me. And we have to acknowledge, yes, he's, he's given us, a, there's commands, and Jesus has the authority to demand obedience, doesn't he? But that's not what he's after. It's not a response to authority. We're not, and, and this is why so many times, and if we see how it flows, we, if we're intimate with him, we're going to grow in love for him, aren't we? The closer we are, the more we know of him, the more we're going to understand His will, we're, we're going to understand the things that He likes and dislikes. We're going to grow in our love. And then we actually have the what? The freedom to obey. We think it's, we, we always reverse that. And, and, and this is why Christians are portrayed on, in our culture as miserable people, right? Because we're just, you know, you pick those monks that are just the, the drab clothing, the just sullen faces, they're miserable people who have been restricted in their lives, and they think that's religion. That's wrong. There's a joy and a freedom that come with a love for Jesus Christ. There's a freedom to obey. Why do I obey? Not because I have to, because I want to. That's what Jesus wants. We don't want to hinder that relationship because when, when we sin against him, that breaks that fellowship temporarily. It hinders it. It doesn't break our bond with him. We don't ever lose our salvation. But just like if I were to sin against you, we'd have to make amends, wouldn't we? Just like a, a child is disobedient to a, a parent, they'd have to fix that so that their fellowship could be back. So we say, we see that. We say, you know what, I, I know I've done this stuff over and over again, but it just, it just hinders my relationship with Jesus Christ, and I don't want that anymore. I want Him more than I want this sin. You know, I, I remember a time when uh, in the Bible college, and I might have shared this story before, and at that time I didn't know what I didn't know, even though I thought I knew a lot. And I would just go around telling people what I thought I knew, even though I didn't really know, and then they would know that I didn't know, <laughs> you know? But um, 
I think I knew, I think I knew this. I think I knew it without knowing it. And I remember a time I had a conversation with someone in the classroom, and we were talking about obedience. And I remember this person uh, telling me that they wanted to engage in those sins, that they actually desired it, but the only reason they weren't was because they had to. And that, that upset me. And I confronted that. That was a typical thing that I did in Bible college was confronting everyone. And I, but I said to them, I said, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because I think that God wants to bring us to a point where we don't want to sin anymore. Where, where we desire to obey Him because of the work that He has done in our lives. Because He's given us His Son as a sacrifice for those sins. And now I'm in fellowship with the Almighty God. Why would I want to ruin that? She kind of disagreed with me, and we went on our many way, but it, it, it confuses. Folks, legalism is not love. In obedience, we can't point to our obedience and say that's proof of our love. We obey because we love. That's why. And when we're talking to individuals who don't understand the Christian faith, this is at the heart of it. That I'm in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and I want to obey. I, I love to obey because it pleases Him. You know, one of my goals when I, I first met Sarah was that what? I, I just wanted, I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to learn everything about her so I could understand those things that please her. I, I mean, I can successfully shop for my wife right now. I can show her clothes. I, can, I don't do it all the time, but I can bring them home. Why? Because I know her. I know what she likes. I know what she dislikes. I know what irritates her, and sometimes I just do those things anyway because that's... that's <laughs> Because that's fun. <laughs> but the same thing went with my daughter. When my daughter was growing up, all I wanted to do was be interested in what she was interested in. And I made a point to learn and understand and partake in those things. Why? Because I love her. That's what God wants. The more that we love Him, the closer that we are to Him, the more that we're going to want to learn about Him. And how do we become more intimate with him? You're looking at it. This, we're doing it today, aren't we? He, he talks about it in prayer, doesn't he? Come to him in prayer. Fellowship with him. Spend, the only way we're going to know his commands are what? By studying his word. The only way we're going to know his will is by studying his word, by spending time with him. And I hope this isn't the only time we're spending with him. One of the reasons, folks, that I chose this book for us was this. Because I want us to have the goal that Paul had. I want us to know him. I want us to know him really, really, really well. And I want us to grow in our love for him. 
Because if we grow in our love for him, guess what? Everything else is going to fall into place. And obedience is going to be kind of like second nature, even though it's not in our nature. (laughs) But when we struggle with it, guess what? He gives us help. And this brings us to the second aspect of not only help in obedience, but he gives us help in deepening that intimacy with him. And that brings us to the second aspect. We experience this intimacy inwardly, verse 16, verses 16 through 17. So after he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments... The, this verse is directly comes, flows right out of that. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him, because He abides in you because he abides with you and will be in you. Last Sunday, I looked at this verse this week, I automatically thought of uh, something that happened here last Sunday. So last Sunday at the end of our service, uh, the elders got up and they, they blessed my family, the Lambertson family, the Douglas family, and the McCalman family. By, by a gift. It was a gift of what? It was a gift of prayer. It was very, very needed, and it was very, very encouraging. And it went right along with what we were discussing, didn't it? Taking our, taking our needs, taking our pain, taking our hurts to Jesus so that he can help us. I knew that was going to happen because... Uh, one of the elders gave me a call and actually asked me about it. And even before that happened, my, my heart was really, really encouraged and helped because of the reason that it happened. The reason that it happened was actually that prayer that you saw last week uh, was a request that there was an individual in this church that was concerned for all the trials that our families have been going through and that this individual went to the elders privately in a conversation and made a request on our behalf that we could pray for them, pray for us publicly. That there was this conversation between two individuals about me, my family, and the families that I mentioned. How does that make you feel when you know there's this teamwork together, there's this intimate, private conversation about you, and the concern is for you, and someone wants to help you? And I looked at that, and then I read this, and I'm thinking, what a, what a great illustration of the gift <laughs> that we've been given, the Holy Spirit, 
now manifesting himself almost in a, in a similar way in which the gift was given. So how is the gift given? Jesus goes to the Father and he makes a special request. He has this intimate conversation and what we begin to see here, same thing that Jesus was saying earlier, the relationship that Jesus has with God is the found and, and the Trinity is the foundation of the relationship he has with us. And now we see that this, this relationship is an intimate relationship, that Jesus goes to the Father and makes a request on our behalf. And now some, an individual here in our body, through the Holy Spirit, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, goes to the elders and makes a request for what? Help. This is a whole, that's, there you go. There you have it. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of the church. And I, I want to add this, even though we are talking about the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us singular, we have to understand that one of the reasons, one of the main reasons you and I gather together as a body is so that we can experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit on a very different level and in a very different way than we would if we were alone. Because if I was alone and I wasn't coming here, I would not have benefited from that help, would I? I would not have experienced the Spirit working in that way. That's why we gather we gather because we experience the presence of God in a, in a different way than we do alone. It's like a bunch of coals getting together and just heating each other up and taking all of that power and that energy so we can sustain each other through His Spirit. And here we see just a, I just think it's just such, such a beautiful example of how the Holy Spirit works in the lives of believers. We, were, you know, we're, we get all caught up in all the wonders and signs and miracles, but tell you what, here you go, folks. That's his ministry. That's his ministry. His ministry is a helper. His ministry is a support. His ministry is an advocate. But he does all of this as a friend. He does it as a friend. Because all of those words are definitely in the understanding. So it's the word paraclete, the word for advocate, counselor, comforter. You have a lot of different, I'm sure, translations in your, in your Bible. But he does all of it as a friend. You and I experience his personal presence within us as a constant divine friend. third person of the Trinity, a friend that advocates for us and supports us. A woman tells a story about uh, the London Marathon. It says, more than 37,000 runners completed in, in the 2000 and, competed in the 2012 London Marathon. Wilson Kipsang from Kenya won the race in an impressive two hours, four minutes, and 
44 seconds. That's, that's really fast for a marathon runner. Simone Clark took more than three times as long, but her finish may be more impressive. Simone is a 39-year-old epileptic. Simone suffers about four seizures a day, needed someone willing to train and run with her. Her friend, Tally Hall, stepped up. She agreed to run the marathon with her and help her if she had a seizure while running. But none of their training prepared them for what was to come. Beautiful spring morning of the London Marathon, Simone and Tally joined the tens of thousands at the starting point, took off as the gun sounded. For the first seven miles, everything went well. It was mile eight that the pain from ongoing stomach problems triggered her first seizure. Tally caught Simone and got her safely to the ground. She was completely unconscious for 30 seconds before Tally could rouse her. Each and then remarkably, she woke up and started running again. So over the next 18 miles, Simone had 19 seizures. Every time, falling to the ground, losing conscious. And then her friend Tally coming along, helping easing her down, lifting her back up again. She was so upset. She had lost the pace they had. By that time, she had so many seizures, but she was still standing. She said, I'm just going to finish it. Simone and Tally crossed the finish line together six and a half hours later. I like that illustration because what a perfect example of the friend that we have in the Holy Spirit, not just running alongside of us, running within us, supporting us, encouraging us, and reminding us of what? The truth. Reminding us of the truth. He is the Spirit of truth. Picking us up when we fall down, Encouraging us to keep going, and guess what? Making sure that you and I, we're going to cross that finish line. No matter how long it takes. Jesus sends us His friend. Jesus sends us our friend. Sends us His Spirit to help us along the way. To encourage us and support us. And to lead us into the truth and to bring us safely back into His arms. One of the main aspects that we have to see in the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a ministry of truth. That when we fall down, when we, dis when we are discouraged, when we are doubting, how does He remind us of the truth? He reminds us of the truth in God's Word, doesn't He? He reminds us that you and I belong to Him. He, he reminds us of who we are in Jesus Christ, that no matter what is happening on the outside, no matter what trials, no matter how many times you and I may fall down, we belong to Jesus Christ. And He is going to make sure, He's the down payment in our hearts saying one day God's going to cash in. 
And he's going to bring us home. His ministry is a ministry of truth, and it's a ministry of truth in the hearts and minds of those who believe in Jesus Christ. He gives us comfort and peace during times of suffering. He consoles our hearts with the truth of God's Word and His promises in our life. And when we can't find the words to pray, when we we just are at a, at a loss for every word to say to God, He prays for us, doesn't He? He intercedes for us. He encourages us. And He says things like, though your outer body may be decaying, your inner man or woman is being renewed day by day. And he says things like, these are just light trials. And it doesn't compare to the glory that is going to be revealed. That's his primary ministry. And he forms a bond and a union with God Almighty that can never be broken. He's with you forever. And he deepens that intimacy that we have with God, doesn't he? You know, we, we talked about abomination in reference to beef stew, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something that is a real abomination. If this is who the Holy Spirit is, the third person of the Trinity. And if we go back to the obedience aspect, one of his primary ministries is to lead us in truth, right? To guide us in truth and to conform us to whose image? The image of Jesus Christ. One of his primary ministries is holiness, isn't it? To produce holiness in us. And I'll tell you what, apart from the Holy Spirit, guess what? Ain't none of us being holy. Not, no one. Miserable. We're done. He's the one who is going to strengthen and help us. If that's his ministry, then I'll tell you what's an abomination. When we see people up there who are worshiping and doing this, you know what this is? You know what they're doing when they do that? They're waving the Holy Spirit onto people. Waving their, their friend, waving God on to individuals so that they can experience a more emotional worship experience that is somehow enhanced by them manipulating the Holy Spirit onto people at the hands of, of sinful human beings. That's an abomination. The Holy Spirit is not some force to be manipulated to enhance our worship experience, but the Holy Spirit is the living God who is our friend that helps us grow in holiness as He illuminates the God's, God's truth to us. We start seeing, 
Can you imagine pushing your friend? Hey, come here. Come on up here. I'll push you on the people so that you can have a greater emotional experience in worship, but then so that you can go home and just sin until you're blue in the face. That's crazy. We have to have a good understanding of what his ministry is all about. And his first and foremost ministry is to be a friend to us, to guide us in holiness, to guide us in the truth, and to deepen our intimacy with Jesus Christ and God the Father. You start seeing that stuff, folks. Just go ahead and walk out the building. I'm surprised fire's not coming down. Because the fact that if we don't do that to human friends, what makes us think that we can do it to God Almighty? We can't control Him. He influences us. That's a worldly way of looking at the Holy Spirit. And He says right here, He's what? He's different from the world, isn't He? The, the, world, the world can't see them. The world doesn't know them. The world can't receive them. Why? Because if the world were able to do that, it would cease being the world, wouldn't it? So one of the ways in which we are confirmed that the Holy Spirit dwells within us is this. If the world doesn't receive Him, if the world doesn't accept Him, then guess what? The world's not going to accept you and me who have the Holy Spirit within us. That's a normal reaction. How many times have, have you been maybe with a, in a situation or with unbelievers or with maybe people you thought were believers, but then they begin to discuss things or they're doing something that just makes you feel spiritual, spiritually uncomfortable? How many people have felt that way? Why is that? This is why. Because we have the Holy Spirit within us. And because we have the Holy Spirit within us, He's saying to you, hey, guess what? This is normal. You're okay. You don't fit in. You don't belong here because this is not your home. And He testifies to our spirit. And He forms, as I said, the deepest bond that we have with God. The Spirit was never given in this way. Jesus is alongside them now. He is present with them, but He is pointing to a time. And the Holy Spirit is among them, but not inside them. He's pointing to a time when this reality happens. Ever since the fall of man, God has been moving closer and closer and closer. Until now that He dwells inside of us, and you and I have a friendship with God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A friendship that is deeper than ever experienced before, and a bond with the Trinity that will never be broken no matter what happens on this side of heaven. So now, if I were to ask you, and I were to say the word discipleship, I hope that you would think of the word intimacy. Because intimacy with God is at the heart of discipleship. I hope that you see that the closer that you are to Him, 
The better you know Him, the more that you will be like Him. And the more that you will do those things that please Him, not because you have to, but because you want to. Because you love Him. And I hope that you see that we have a special friend with us. One that draws us into a more deeper, intimate relationship with Him. And a friend that reassures us that He's never going to leave us. And a friend that will make sure, no matter how many times we fall down, we're going to cross that finish line. And when we do, all those failures, all that pain, all that struggle will be a faded memory. And there we will be with all of our friends for all eternity. Father, Lord, thank You for Your Holy Spirit. Thank You for that wonderful gift. I don't think on this side of eternity we will ever fully realize how wonderful it truly is, but help us to do just that. Help us to be responsive to His workings in our life. Lord, help us to hear Your voice of truth through Him, through Your Word. And Lord, help us to grow closer to You. Help us to grow in love for You so that everything else flows naturally. We cannot do it apart from Your help We cannot do it apart from your spirit. We are ever dependent upon you. We love you and praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen.